Welcome to another episode of the Positive Change Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Harmer, and the intention of this podcast series is to challenge the status quo and to inspire and create new and positive change for yourself and for the world around you. And in this particular episode of the Positive Change Podcast, we're talking about finding the right mindset to deal with life's complexity. Because this month has been a tough month for me. I've really struggled to pay positive and optimistic. And what I learned this month is to pay less attention to the content of life and more attention to the context or the bigger picture in life. So if you think it's time to let go of the content of life and think more about your life's big picture and how you create positive change at scale, this is the episode for you. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Dr. Richard Harmer, and you're about to discover new ways to go from overwhelm to thriving in your business and in your life by following your passions, pursuing your unique life purpose, and stepping fully into your infinite potential. You deserve to live your best life, a life filled with all of the clarity, courage, and commitment you need to be happy and to make a positive impact on the world. So get ready, because this podcast challenges society's expectations for what it means to be successful in life and in business, and invites you to grow beyond outdated assumptions for defining who you are. Welcome to the Positive Change Podcast. So welcome back to another episode of the Positive Change Podcast. And as I introduced in my introduction, it's been a tough month for me personally. And I wanted to use this particular podcast to unpack and to debrief what made the month that's just passed difficult and what I did about it. So to set the scene, to get us started in this particular podcast, I'm a member of multiple project teams in multiple organizational contexts, both within Australia and around the world. And some of those projects at certain times on their phase of delivery can be tougher than other times. And the work is complex, it's mostly emergent, and it's nearly always transformation focused. Now, as I've shared in previous podcasts, you only know you've transformed in hindsight. As the late Steve Jobs once said, you can only draw one dot at a time looking forwards, but you get to join all of the dots and see the pattern looking backwards. So this is all about transformation. And in transformation, you never quite know what's going to happen next. And as a result, there are often lots of cross-purpose agendas between the many players involved in that change or in that project environment. And with all good intention too, my role in most of these projects is to seek out the emergence, the seeds of the new, the potentiality that hasn't yet been seen or grasped or grabbed hold of by others in the project team, to seek the emergent clarity to activate people's courage to explore it, to pursue it, to to grab hold of it and to do something with it. And as always, to maintain positive momentum on projects. Now, this particular project environment, one that I'm working with, it's right in the messy middle of change right now. Momentum is not always positive. It feels like two steps forward and one steps back at times. And this really brought to a head in the last couple of weeks when people said to me, We've lost momentum. Are we doing the right stuff? And when I really dug into what was going on there, what was clear, and this is the starting point of this particular unpacking of what happened and why did we get off track and and were we actually off track at all and what to do about it is 
whenever someone says we've lost momentum, the question to ask and the question I was asking is, what expectations around momentum do we have? What expectations are not being met? And in this instance, the first problem I identified was the problems of expectations themselves when doing transformational work. As I said, transformation can only be understood in hindsight. So how can we actually have an expectation about what will happen when the true essence of transformation, unlike incremental change that many organizations or many systems go through, transformation is nonlinear. It's often about repeating ourselves until we find the pathway forward. And therefore, any expectation about the future can be just that, an expectation. But what is an expectation? I've shared this in previous podcasts, and I'll put the show notes below, but an expectation is an arbitrarily identified desired future with an arbitrarily decided time frame for realizing. Let me say that again in a different way. Is we want something that we've hypothetically made up at a hypothetically defined time frame. I want something by this date. Now, the problem with transformation is how can we possibly have an expectation about a desired future? So we can know the direction we're going in, but it's not always clear if that's the right direction and when we're going to get there. So the first challenge we faced in this tough month where we had a lot of cross-purpose agendas and some high degree of conflict at times is everybody had an expectation about the future of the project but the desired outcome by when was different from everybody and then there's also the personal the individual's expectation of what they want from that project versus what the collective wants and even what the organization the collective system itself wants from that project itself because as i've shared previously expectations kill joy expectations always 100 percent of the time lead to disappointment either your own or others individually or ours collectively so the idea here knowing that expectations occur is we need to unhook these two elements of an expectation from each other a desired outcome a desired future state by an arbitrarily decided time frame or date in time in the future imagine if we were to untangle those two elements we can have a desired future desired outcome but without a time frame attached to it and when we have that we have an enduring purpose and every single system whether it be an organization social community family individual has an enduring purpose and being really clear about what we're doing in that front without putting a time frame of we have to arrive at a destination at this point in time can be intensely motivating and liberating for people in that system. Now, the flip side is if we take away the desired outcome and we focus on an intended period of time, we want the outcome or we want a time frame. When we think about that, we really focus in on time and the ever-present time, then ultimately we have presence. We have the ability to stay focused on what is actually emerging in the moment and not desire it to be something else other than it is. When we untangle expectations being an arbitrarily defined future state with an arbitrarily defined time for realizing that, when we unhook those two things, we have purpose and presence. And that is an incredibly powerful element of any transformational change. The key message here 
is that we do want purpose and we do want presence. But when they get tangled up with each other, they become an expectation. What we don't want to do is buy into others' expectations or your own expectations because they are distractions from what is actually happening here in the moment. And any transformation is about seeking emergent clarity, the positive potential in each moment and activating people's courage, your own and others, to pursue that clarity and maintain positive momentum. So as I dig a little further into my own experience here, once I understood that, ah, we've got some expectations that are out of whack and understanding what some people's, each player's expectations were, we needed to understand actually why momentum wasn't happening within the project. And in this instance, I, my own reflection, I took a systems thinking view. I, remember vividly i woke up at 2 30 in the morning i'm thinking about this project i'm going why is this not working well and i turned my light on and i started writing in my journal about why this project wasn't going according to some expectation somewhere and where was momentum getting stuck and in taking this systems view i identified three things for me that then led to a couple of other realizations but first of all when we take a systems level view we need to understand the distinction between what individual players are doing, what others are doing, that is the collective, and then ultimately what the system is doing. And the key message here in thinking about this is we need to understand the parts versus the wholes. What individuals want or individual teams or individual collections of people want within that system, what are their desires, purpose, what are, how do they think they add value from what is the overall collective system doing as a whole. And remember that the only thing we can address whenever a system gets out of order or out of sorts with itself, in fact, not a system is ever out of sorts with itself, but if it feels like it's not really humming along, to not focus on individual wants and needs, but to focus on the whole of the system itself. Adjusting the paradigm or the parameters of the system as a whole ultimately affect everyone's individual experience. The second thing that came out from for me in this is I start to to point to this, I started to focus on my own individual needs rather than the collective wants and needs of the system. And as soon as I understood that, I was able to untangle and let go of my own expectations, my own wants and desires, put them aside for a moment and work out what does this system need for itself right now. That led to another consideration about the importance of understanding whether you are interdependent with others in a system or dependent upon the system and dependent upon others in a system. Now, I know this sounds a little esoteric, but it's really important to, to understand that for the, any healthy organization, any healthy community, any healthy team, any healthy family, any healthy individual will understand that everything needs to be interdependent, that is, have meaningful autonomy and purposeful agency in relation to everything else. Let me put this in a very practical sense. My heart is interdependent with the oxygen that comes through my bloodstream. If it became in, interdependent um, upon that, then it wouldn't be able to function without other elements. So when we think about this, we not what we need to do is elevate every single individual components interdependence with every other component ultimately within any organizational system we're all reliant upon each other as soon as we start to think that we can do it alone or we don't need others then we're lost so elevating each other's and not constraining each other is an essential element of a healthy system and finally in this instance when i think about myself in this system i had realized 
that at certain points in time, other people within this organizational dynamic, within this project team, had become dependent upon me. That is, they didn't think they could do or make important choices for themselves and their part of the work without me being involved. And simultaneously, I might have been dependent upon others too, thinking that I didn't have meaningful autonomy and purposeful agency without others. In interdependency, we are able to make choices for our own destiny without necessarily thinking about others, but recognizing that we need to appreciate the needs of others to do so. And that leads to a third element of re-establishing of boundaries. Understanding that any healthy object or element within the project, whether it be myself or others or parts of the activity being done, need to be clearly scoped, clearly boundaried in order to be able to move on. And that leads me to an understanding, my own unpacking, my own thinking about this is I've lost my own boundaries, particularly around the role I was playing or the roles I was playing and the interpersonal boundaries I was having with other people. Ecologically within a system, we need to also understand that a system, in this case the organisation, is living. It's highly dynamic and ever-changing. So just as we get our roles or our boundaries sorted out, they get moved around or there's a pressure to move them around. And what's really important here is to recognize your own boundaries of what you will accept and won't accept about expectations or requirements of you and your role or in your interpersonal relationships with other people. This is where I realized I'd come undone. My own boundaries, particularly around the roles I'd played, had moved so frequently in the preceding six-month period, it was really hard to work out what my actual role was and it was only upon realizing this that i went back to what i knew my role was seeking emergent clarity activating people's courage to pursue that clarity and supporting people to maintain positive momentum towards whatever future they had identified for themselves anytime i thought there was a future i think we should do then i'm also lost i'm now working on my own individual agenda and not what the system needs for itself now as i break that down even further again this is early in the morning i'm thinking to myself okay now i've got a problem with focusing on the individual over the collective I need to write that balance i realize i have an issue around dependency versus interdependency i need to write that balance and I have an issue around lack of or permeable boundaries versus firm boundaries. I need to write that discrepancy too. It got me thinking about three of the most common unhealthy system dynamics. In systems thinking, we will call these archetypes. They're common dynamics that any system, any group of people or a family or a community or an organization or a country will start to do in order to maintain its own relevance within the broader system itself. The three common archetypes that were at play in this particular dynamic and why the project was, inverted commas, losing momentum were three. The first one being kill the commons. Now, the kill the commons archetype is pretty simple. It's when there's a common resource that everybody uses within that system in order to do their job or to deliver an outcome. And they're all using it and no one's monitoring its health and well-being. Let me give you a couple of examples of a commons um, within organizational life. One of them might be discretionary effort. Now, in many organizations, particularly the peak of performance and growth and economic whatever, the need for people to go above and beyond their day job to tap into their discretionary effort, to work longer hours, to think about the organization and its purpose on the weekend and so on and so forth is a very common commons 
that organizations use in order to maintain performance and get the most out of things without necessarily valuing that people have their own time or need downtime. What happens when we kill the commons in this regard is the culture or people, people's motivation or enthusiasm or engagement with the organization will tend to go down until we write that. Another example of a commons is oxygen or the environment. It's something that many organizations, many members of our community use, you as well. And oftentimes we don't think about how much it's being utilized and whether we keep using it, will it be killed in the end? If you think about climate change, uh, economic fragility around the world, there's a very clear examples of how we are killing the commons right now. The thing to ask myself, I ask myself is, am I a commons in this system? I'm using multiple multiple projects at multiple times with multiple groups of people. And I realized that, hey, I'm a commons resource and I'm not sure that people are monitoring my mental and emotional and physical and time health. And guess what? I'm not doing it either and that's why it's out of whack. And this is how you address the dynamic of kill the commons. If you feel like you're a commons within a team or an environment and you're not sure whether um, you people are monitoring your own well-being, this is how to fix it. Monitor your own well-being. Set some clear boundaries for yourself about what you will and won't do, what, what you, expectations you will um, fall in with and which expectations you won't, what your role is and what your role will and won't do, your interpersonal emotional boundaries and what stress you're willing to take on and not take on. Establish your own clear boundaries and when you're feeling like you're being burnt out, rest. And indeed... Tomorrow, I'm going on holidays for two weeks. So this is all about making sure that if you are a commons resource amongst multiple projects or you've got multiple initiatives on the go, make sure that you look after yourself. The second unhealthy system dynamic archetype that was playing out in this element that I started to become aware of is this idea of success to be successful archetype. In essence, this archetype plays out when two or more groups of people individuals or groups of people are all vying for a similar resource let's just say that's money or a person's time or um, a person's attention if we're all vying for something similar what tends to happen in money system dynamics is one person or one party will become successful with the first project and then every subsequent project they're given more money I've experienced this so many times where the project I was working on or as part of a team either got more and more resources and became overwhelmed and burnt out or it got less and less resources because someone else was getting them all and we burnt out as a result of killing the commons. So this notion here of successful to be successful is that we start to think that a group is being successful, so we give them more resources, but they're only being successful because they're getting more resources. And what we need to do in those instances is write the balance of how resources are allocated. And a resource, as I said, might be time, or it might be experiences, or it might be training, it might be money, or whatever the resource is that's scarce that everybody seems to want a part of, making sure it gets allocated appropriately. Now, in my instance, this I was successful to be successful, constantly beginning more resources that ultimately led to more workload and other parts in this organizational project team weren't getting the resources they needed to be successful. The flip side also applied. Other parts of the organizational system were getting more 
money to do their project and yet mine wasn't and it still needed to be delivered. This is how we address successful to be successful. We need to promote all parts of the system's health equally. Rather than focusing on promoting myself, I need to make sure that every other part of the system is promoted equally and we're all seen as valuable to the whole because we are. Second, we need to seek equity in the allocation of all resources. In this instance, there was a central project management office that kept looking at project progress and allocating money accordingly or um, people resources accordingly. That wasn't done equitably and ultimately things started to fall over. People started to feel resentment about all that and so on and so forth. Now the third unhealthy system archetype, the one I think was really playing out and I needed to pay a lot of attention to, is this idea of escalation. Now an escalation occurs when elements within this within a system start to feel like they're in competition with each other, they adopt a win-lose dynamic and they start to try and work harder in order to have others look like they're not performing. It relates to the success to be successful dynamic, but ultimately escalation means that everyone starts to ramp up the emotions and everyone starts to feel upset, frustrated, angry, or hurt, or whatever it might be. Now, I don't think we got to that instance in this particular dynamic I'm talking to, but it was well on the cards that competition could have played out. Now, how you address escalation is, first and foremost, you need to believe in your own value. If we don't, we start to to scramble to try and prove ourselves and that means that someone else scrambles to prove themselves and ultimately we're all scrambling to prove ourselves without actually realizing hey we're here because we deserve to be here and the second thing we're going to do is bring to the table and surface people's hidden agendas your own and my own included in order to make things transparent for everybody now i'm doing this at 2 30 or 3 o'clock in the morning at this point in time going oh there's so much entanglement here what am i going to do about it so I tried to find solutions to untangling each of these elements and resetting my boundaries and so on and so forth. And, and in the end, I'm too focused on the content of the problem and not the big picture of the problem and I couldn't solve it. Now this was somewhat disconcerting for me because usually I'm the one who plays the role of untangling this stuff and now I'm in this web that I can't quite get out of. So what did I do? I went and spoke with a friend. Somebody who I trust deeply and I, and I put everything on the table and I said, I'm stuck. How do I find a way forward? She invited me at that point in time to, to let go of my own perspective and let go of trying to understand everyone else's perspective and to take the perspective of the system as a whole. You look at this, she said, look at the organization and this project in this organization as a whole and tell me what you see. Now this is a very simple technique that I invite people to do often. It's called the zoom out technique. Zoom out from the parts, see the whole, what do you see? And nearly immediately when she asked me to zoom out, let go of my own perspective and other people's perspective and zoom out and see the system as a whole, I noticed that it was fragmented. There were competing interests and competing priorities and hurt and frustration and apathy and concern and happiness and joy all bouncing into each other and getting in the way of each other. And then I had my way forward. As soon as I understood that we are fragmented, then it got me thinking about a really wonderful book by Adam Kahane called Power and Love. Adam Kahane is a futurist. He did a lot of work on what's called the Montfleur scenarios out of South Africa at the end of apartheid many decades ago and continues to be an important futurist looking at social change around the world. He wrote this book called Power and Love and he defined power and love in two really distinct ways. He defined power as the impulse to evolve. This 
impulse, this agency to move forward, to evolve, to grow, to transform, to become different. And to define love as the desire to reunite that which has become fragmented, to bring back together that which has been that which has fallen apart. Power, growth, love, integration. Now when I look at this project I've been working on with this particular organization for nearly 18 months now, we have had a lot of impulse to evolve. It's all about transformation. It's all about growth and evolution and trying new things and doing something different and doing it again and experimenting and trying again and finding what works and doesn't and keeping on going and doing it again and again and again. Even as I say that right now on this podcast, I feel kind of exhausted thinking about it. What we hadn't done is thought about integration. This is another element of kill the commons. The common needs to be looked after. And in this instance, the organization as a whole and this project team as a whole needed to be looked after. It brings me to a conversation of another colleague of mine, a dear, dear friend of mine, who once shared with me the two dominant energies or powers of the universe. The red energy of growth and the blue energy of rest we need to dedicate equal energy and time for each she said to me and when i look at this particular project we've got a lot of power energy a lot of impulse to evolve and we need to reunite that which has become fragmented to bring things back together i had the seeds of my own clarity my own emergent clarity about what to do next and then i just needed to activate my own courage to build my own momentum so that led me to the stance to take. Adam Kahane talked about this in this idea of love. He said there's two types of love, degenerative or unhealthy love, and there's generative or healthy love. All love is ultimately focused on trying to reunite that which has become fragmented. But degenerative or unhealthy love is about letting people get away with anything, hoping that they'll get better. It's wishful thinking for a better, better way of relating, but not holding people to account of themselves until they can do it for themselves. Whereas generative love, healthy love, is about holding people accountable to bring to themselves, to being true to themselves, to being honest, to being authentic, to being vulnerable, to being intimate, holding them account to do that for themselves until they can do it for themselves. And that led me to understand and connect with the stance I needed to take, the stance of compassion. Now, compassion is probably a topic for a podcast and maybe I'll do one in the next podcast on compassion and in and of itself. But I just want to touch on it here in this particular podcast. Compassion literally means suffer together. Compassion literally means to suffer together. It's feeling others suffering and wanting to alleviate it. Now, compassion isn't empathy, which is all about putting yourself in others' shoes and and wanting it to be it's not just empathy it's not just feeling another person's feelings and it's not just altruism about wanting to make things better for other people about doing it for them it's feeling others suffering and wanting to alleviate it but holding people accountable to alleviate their own suffering now the key here when you think about the notion of compassion and this is what i got to and i have my pathway forward i needed to not be in the system to be a player so to speak to be a component to be a protagonist of this system itself in order to truly show compassion for others i needed to let go of expectations of my own agenda and in unpacking my own frustration i named 
a good half a dozen agendas that I wanted from this project that were just about me and actually not really serving the project. I needed to let go of my own expectations and realign with my own purpose, liberating humanity's potential for future generations and reconnect with my own presence to be in the moment and be present to the reality of what was occurring and not my desires for something else. Letting go of expectations and what I wanted from the system to what does this system want for its own generative health. I needed to let go of what I wanted and to focus on what is needed now for the system to have generative health. And the system I'm referring to is immediately this project group and then ultimately the organization as a whole. And then I guess one step further to, to what is the organization's role in its broader ecosystem. But I'm going to put that aside for now. Then I needed to feel into if I'm I, when I was able to let go of my own expectations and s- return to being with the moment, not wanting anything from it other than what was actually occurring. I could then feel into the what why and how of other people's suffering and what that suffering was that was causing them to unintentionally try and manipulate the system's dynamic for some personal gain and as i looked at each every person within that immediate dynamic we all had a different agenda all that agenda was causing us can we couldn't make it happen suffering and then the work became this work with relieving other people's suffering now relieving suffering is a really interesting element here to alleviate or to relieve suffering it's about lessening it it's not about resolving it or removing it it's to remove the suffering so that people can make more informed more emotionally objective decisions for the benefit of themselves and everyone overall so in this instance how did i relieve suffering in essence i encourage everybody including myself to have more transparent, more a personal agenda-free communication with each other. You know, the thing is here that compassion serves an evolutionary purpose as well. You know, at a biological level, when we feel compassion for others, our heart slows. We lessen our own agitation, anxiety, frustration, hurt. Our heart slows. Our body secretes a hormone called oxytocin, which is all about bringing people together and bonding. Oxytocin is one of the first hormones that a a new mother produces with their newborn child, building bonding. It's an incredibly powerful hormone that is about bringing people together and creating connection. Compassion creates connection. Compassion creates calmness. And compassion actually lights the brain up with empathy, caregiving, and feelings of joy and pleasure. And these elements here of calmness, connection, and joy in caregiving are fundamentally important to the evolution of the human species. I know this podcast has been a little bit more about me than some uh, topic, but I think it was really interesting and helpful to say we're all dealing with really problematic challenges at times and we can try and fix the problem one piece at a time where one of the things or another pathway to take is to get on the balcony to zoom out and to understand what is me versus what is us where am i dependent versus where am i independent where am i interdependent with others and where's our connections what boundaries have been compromised and brought back together how is the dynamic amongst all of us 
unhealthy and why? What is the unhealthy dynamic and what can I do about it? And ultimately, in many instances, the view to take, the stance to adopt, the mindset to consider is one of compassion, feeling others' suffering and wanting to alleviate it. Nobody is doing things for negative reasons. They're just unaware of what their somewhat times unhealthy motivations are. So here's the key takeaway. If you just do, I'm going to give you five things, but if you just do a few of these things, I think this will be really helpful in building more compassion for yourself and the people around you. First of all, start or increasingly see people as individuals and not inverted commas abstractions. And what do I mean by that is we often see people in organizational life as their role or their job description or their deliverable. And once we start to see things as abstractions, that is not the person in front of us, but the a mental construct of what they're supposed to be doing, expectations become inevitable. I expect the role to do something. I expect the role to deliver something. And then we start to depersonalize the individual to their role. It's really important that we see people as individuals, as human beings, not as the role they play. The next step of that is to name people, to give people a name. You can see the real power of language here, when we start to alienate or disenfranchise people, we stop using their name. We start to say them or that group of people or those people rather than John and Bill and Claire and Marie. Using people's names is another way of bringing that individual element, the personalization. It's not them or they, it's we and us. And in so doing, we all come back together. Now, in a system, there can be no blame. Because in a system, and we're all in systems all the time, whether it be a family or a community or a team or an organization, we're all connected with everything. There is no separation. We're all connected with everything. And as soon as we start to blame a part or a person or a role for not doing something, we're actually blaming ourselves because they can only do what they do because I and others are doing something as well. If something is not working, then we are part of the problem. I'm going to say that one last time because it might be a little hard to hear at times. If something is not working, remember you are part of the problem. Number four, don't give up. I tell you what, at certain points in time the last month, I'd ask myself the question, what am I doing? Maybe it's time for me to step out. Maybe it's time to give up. Just let go and maybe it'll all work out for the best. Now, what's interesting here is I did let go, but I let go of expectations that I had of what I thought the right outcome was and became more open to what was actually happening. Don't give up. You are able to make a difference. And the fifth and final thing, no expectations. Expectations kill joy. Expectations are an arbitrarily defined desired future delivered at an arbitrarily defined period of time. Desire without time is purpose. Time without desire is presence. No expectations about if something will work, no expectations about how something should work. As soon as we do that, we open ourselves up to infinite potentiality and possibilities about what might happen next. And that ultimately returns us to emergence spotting and seeing the emergent clarity, activating our courage to pursue that clarity and maintaining positive momentum at all times. 
On that note, thank you for listening to another episode of the Positive Change Podcast, a podcast that was just about me trying to unpack a real dilemma I've been working with for the last month and finding my way forward. A way forward that meant I wasn't doing anything per se, but more adopting a stance of compassion, understanding that we're all suffering together and truly wanting that suffering to end for people. And my role in that instance was the alleviation, the relieving of suffering. Until next time, see you soon. Hi, and thank you so much for checking out another episode of the Positive Change Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe using the button below and make sure you also click the bell icon to get notified every time we release a new episode. If you're looking for the show notes for this episode, we have them in the link underneath, as well as our social media handles and some links to free training and other offers that we drop from time to time to help you go from overwhelmed to thriving in pursuing your best life. So go ahead and check out this episode's show notes if you're interested. And thank you so much for tuning into the Positive Change Podcast.